0: Welcome back to our podcast. I'm here with Jerry Wyanton. My name is Jim Hughes, and this is The Gospel According to Jesus. Jerry, we're going to do kind of a special podcast today, even though it's a little bit late, but we're going to do one on the resurrection of Christ. This is really my favorite part of the, the whole story about Christ, and we'll go into detail of why that is. The resurrection of Christ and how we celebrate it, we call it Easter, is the greatest event that's ever happened in the human race, and in the world, and in the universe, as far as I'm concerned. Talking about it always gives me a lot of joy, because this is what Christianity is hinged on. Nothing else in Christianity is true unless the resurrection is true. Amen? As we go and we talk about this today, we're going to be just going into some pretty clear scripture about the resurrection and what it says and how it is a blessing to us as believers and why it's so important. I'm going to start out talking about a couple of scriptures, Jerry, and then you can chime in after that if you want. Matthew 28, 5 through 7, it says, the angel answered and said unto the woman, fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Now listen to this. He is not here, for he is risen just as he said. Now that's a powerful part of that verse because Jesus said this. Many, many prophecies said this. The Father said this. The whole thing about redemption, about mankind being redeemed back to the Father is about what Jesus said here. He has to die and he has to rise again This is an event that not even his apostles, not even the disciples understood this. Amen? I mean, have you thought about that, Jerry? The disciples were like dense about this one issue. And yet, a lot of those disciples were, they were Jewish men. They understood the scripture. They understood a lot of the prophecies about the Messiah. And yet, they were dense to this one thing that Jesus said. Just... As he said, just as Jesus had been telling them this was going to happen, it happened. Amen? Amen. He is risen means Jesus was raised from the dead. Even today, with all the technology, with the travel to the moon, and now we're wanting to go to Mars, whoever draws the short straw on that whole deal, because you're going to be up there for over six months just to get there, and then you're going to... Kick a couple of rocks around, realize that, hey, there's nobody living here, and then come back. That's another six months. Even with that technology, with all the technology in the medical fields and the advancements, and they are great. I mean, it's amazing what God has blessed us with as far as technology in the medical field. Open heart surgeries are now considered routine when not just 40 years ago, that was a major undertaking to have open heart surgery. They can now do surgery where they can replace a valve by using robots. They can do certain surgeries by bringing instruments in through your arteries and working through your arteries. Organ transplant is now considered routine. Kidney transplant or other vital organs are considered routine now. And yet science cannot do or replicate this event that God did through the Messiah. Even today, somebody dies, guess what? 10 out of 10 people are going to die. And 10 out of 10 people are going to stay dead. They're not going to be able to raise them up. Once they're in the ground with all the technology, everything that we know today, all the, the resources that we have, splitting the atom and everything else that's gone on, we cannot do that. I mean, I don't know how much of that you've really thought about, Jerry, but we, even today, 2022, we have no way of when somebody's been put in the ground, raise them back up.
1: Amen. that's right, Jim. How neat it is to see what God has done in certain people's lives, but none of them had to die first. He actually took Elijah, Zip, he took him right on up to heaven. He didn't take his own son. Why didn't he take his own son? because he had to die for our sins. There's no forgiveness for sins until there's shedding of blood. The whole purpose for Jesus coming is that he had to give his life up for you and me and for everybody listening. And all he requires is that we believe that he did that for us. Then we confess him as Lord and Savior, which we always try to, connect each and one of our listeners to the fact that if you believe in your heart as it says in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, it says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And the whole purpose of being saved is the fact that we believe and know that Jesus died on the cross. It was a once and for all thing, but some of the things that are interesting to me, Jim, looking back at when he did pass away, He was in a borrowed tomb. Joseph of Arimathea took his body and put it in his own tomb. And we were over in Israel. And, of course, one of the churches has a place they say he died. But another group of people, they're showing Golgotha, where he was. You actually almost see the skull, and it's been 2,000 years, but you can still see the depiction of where the skull is. Then you walk down to where his tomb is. And right above it, they've got a little sign that says he is risen. He's not here. And I love that. He knew, even though he was going to have to die, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if this can pass from me, let it go. He didn't want to go through the suffering that he was going to have to do. But he did it for us. He did it all the way through. And if you, just, if you ever watched The Passion of the Christ— Passion of the Christ— that yeah, is so powerful. Oh, man, if that doesn't tear your heart up, what he had to go through. And it talks in the Bible about how in order for us to really understand that we would have to die for our brother. But we're supposed to die to ourselves and live our lives to honor Jesus Christ for what he did for us by dying on the cross. And no one, as you said, there's nobody now, once you're put in the ground, it's over with. And it'll be the same for us until when, until Jesus comes back, until the rapture, we get to go and be with him again and forever. And the litmus test will be, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life. And so how important it is for us to understand that when he died, he paid a very powerful price for the sins that we commit. And it's not so we can keep on sinning. It's so that we can walk in the holiness he's called us to. It takes a lot of understanding and time to get to the place where we know where we are with Jesus, but it doesn't take much to spend time with him each morning and thank him for what he had to go through for each one of us. That's fantastic. And let me just say a couple of things. It was interesting how each one of them, after, let's say, Thomas, he didn't even believe that that Jesus actually... Came back, and how many did? Even the guys walking in a, in the road to Emmaus, where Luke it, it talks about it. So many people just thought he was gone, but Jesus appeared to him and showed him otherwise. And yet we believe the Bible says, "Blessed are we who don't see but believe." And that's what that's we're right. here for—to make you understand, the listeners. You must believe what Jesus did on the cross was an awesome thing for all of us.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really a good point. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about that's what separates Christianity from all other religions is this event that Jesus rose again, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Why is that so important? Well, Confucius is still in the grave. Yep. Buddha is still in the grave. Yep. Muhammad is still in the grave. Yep. They're all still in the grave. They didn't come out. That's the reason Christianity is Christianity, and that's the reason that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by him. It's because of this event right here that took place that Jesus had to be risen from the dead. He took away the sins of the world, not only the sins of those that lived during that time, not only the sins of those that died before him, not only the sins of those that have died over the years, but the sins of people now the sins of all those that pass away in the future. Everybody that's born and dies, he took away the sins, the sin problem. He took care of the sin problem by rising again. Now listen, Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, because he is risen. Romans 10.13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because he is risen. Those scriptures are because. every Everything about salvation is because he is risen. Amen. So it's a powerful thing to think about. It's a powerful event. Those that were there and those that talked about it and wrote about it, they talked about earthquake, the amount of storming that took place, and all even secular historians that wrote about that event that day, there was just such an upheaval in the in the heavens because of what was taking place during that time. The other part of this that really excites me, Jerry, is Matthew 28, is about the stone. And, and I know you mentioned that you've been to Israel. Cleo and I would love to go to Israel. In fact, our son, Joshua, who's in the Air Force, is going to be stationed in Israel starting in September. That's going to be really our time to to go to Israel is now that he's there, we want to go see him, but you were there. And, and this stone, this whole thing about this stone. So you already mentioned Joseph of Arimathea. He gave up his own personal tomb and that's the way they buried people back then. Those that were rich, they would hew out of stone a burial place and only the rich could do those type of things. So he gave up his burial place to the Messiah the one thing about this that's always intrigued me is the estimated weight of that stone was between two ton and four ton. Now, I, I don't know how they would know that. I know you've been there and seen some of the stones probably that were used probably even make this stone. But this stone, the engineering behind this, from what I've read, is that the stone is put up kind of on a little bit of a incline. And then when it's time to close up the tomb, then it can be, the few men can be rolled down the slight incline and then it seats up against the opening of the tomb. Now, I don't know exactly how this happened. I'm just speculating from a sheer mechanics point of view, how this would happen. Because remember, we're not talking about today's modern technology. They didn't bring a 20 ton crane, pull it up there and rig up some rigging and pick this stone up and put it in, in front of this uh, opening, You know, it had to be done with engineering and manpower because the greatest technology they had during that time was a an ox and a cart, a wheel. That was it. And there was no technology. Just the sheer volume and weight of this stone, the fact that the reason they designed it the way they designed it was they, they not only pulled it or put it in front of the, the grave, but they sealed it. So it was sealed. It's impossible to move that. And I've even read Jerry, where some commentators say that the angel actually moved the stone. That the scripture says that he rolled rolled it away. And I think in John said that he moved it. And some of the commentaries that I read, getting ready for this message, indicate that the angel just basically picked it up and moved it. Now again, that's. That's a little bit of speculation on on my part, but the fact that they moved the stone. And then the last thing that really blows me away about this, and I think there's some meaning behind this, is finally the scripture says, and the angel sat upon the stone. And to me, that is just a visible showing mankind that, look, your futile tactics of keeping the Messiah in the grave were just that, futile. And he sat on the stone. And just basically showing mankind that, hey, God does something, it's done. It's over. It's completed. It's for a reason. I just always found that to be quite intriguing that the angel actually sat upon the stone like he was not mocking mankind, but he was kind of like, hey, look at this. Your little feeble thing didn't come to pass here.
1: He may have been a little tired from rolling that two-ton thing out of the way. (laughs) Because if they rolled it downhill, he had to roll it probably uphill. Jim, how awesome it is, what he did. He came out of that grave, and and he was around for, I believe the Bible says, 40 days. And not only did he show himself where he needed to, especially for those who didn't believe, they were all downcast. They all decided to go fishing. They went fishing and didn't catch any fish. And, of course, just like when Jesus first met them, And now he was on the other side of it. He said, throw your nets on the other side. And they hauled in a tremendous amount. And of course, Jesus cooked breakfast for them that day. And how awesome that is when Jesus says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He was showing them right there that he could give them abundant life. All they had to trust in him. But, I mean, you were talking about Matthew. A couple of things that I want to say, once you understand If you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you're listening to us, it's so imperative that you begin to believe in your heart and you do ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Because it's, again, it says in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 that if you believe in your heart that he died on the cross and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. But at the very end of Matthew, he says, before he went up to heaven, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, that should excite everybody. Jesus is going to be with them. He's going to be with us to the very end of all this. But we have to do our part here on earth. Just recently, I think it was last weekend, there was a 12,000 men, pastors, and leaders that attended, I think it was called Together for the Gospel, and it was in Louisville, Kentucky, I believe. After it was over with, there was a group, I think there were Southern Baptist guys, a few of them, they just wanted to see what kind of impact this 12,000 member Christian group made on Louisville. And they went around to restaurants and fast food outfits and they went to coffee shops. They just kind of toured around to get a heartbeat of what these Christians did in Louisville, Kentucky. And they didn't get very good marks. And, and this, this saddens me. Huh. That, you know, when, when, yeah, Jim, when Jim and I, my wife, when we go anywhere, we lead people to Jesus. We talk to them, whether they're taxi cab drivers or waitresses, uh, it's just something that you should do to find out if someone knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and here 12,000 Christians could have made an impact, and I believe David Platt was one of the speakers, and guess what he spoke on? We need to be disciples and take this message to the world, and yet nobody even bothered to do it in Louisville, Kentucky. It just hurts my heart. Because we're called to do that. That's the whole purpose that Jesus died on the cross to set us free from sin, but that we would be a witness to him until he comes back to get us again.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And there's so many simple things that you can do. First of all, if you're a pastor, minister, evangelist, preacher, teacher, I would think that you have a basic skill set on how to lead someone to Christ. But even if you were... A little bit timid about that. You can always leave a track. You can always, when you leave your tip, write a little note, you know, put a scripture on. There's so many things that you can do. But in Matthew 28, Jerry, it says, He rose again in front of the guards. They shook with fear and all fell as dead men. These guards, these Roman soldiers that were there, they shook with fear and fell as dead men. And then in verse 11, Now, while they were on their way, some of the men from the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, verse 13, and said, you are to say his disciples came at night and stole him while you were asleep. That's going to be a pretty good hoe to row because... These were Roman soldiers and they admitting that they had fallen asleep or that even getting out on the street that they had fallen asleep was a death sentence. But then look at what it says here. Okay, here, we're going to fabricate this lie. And this lie is his disciples came at night and stole him. Well, we've already talked about this stone. This thing is massive. Again, it's like a go no go situation here. Once that stone is rolled in there, it's not like you can just hook the truck up to it and drag it back out. Lots and lots of men to get this thing rolled away. And so this lie that they told in fear and in just haste turns out to be the biggest lie that they could possibly, and the worst lie that they could possibly come up with. Because Jesus rose from the dead. And that is the easiest way to explain it. Not that somebody stole the body, not that somebody came and took it, not that somebody wanted to do anything like that, but that he rose from the dead, and now we have salvation. Amen? So with that, uh, we're just going to close in prayer and just really encourage you. This is the greatest event. This is the, the thing that sets apart Christianity from everything else in the world this event, Jesus dying and being buried and rising from the dead. This event is what Christianity is all about. And so we just want to pray with you. If you're here and listening to us today and you've made a commitment to Christ and you know that you know that you've asked Jesus to to forgive you of your sins, that you know that you're a sinner and that you need a savior because you are a sinner and you've done that and you've Committed your life to him and by inviting him, in, him into your heart, we rejoice with you. That is the greatest thing that you could possibly do in your entire life. Making a commitment to Christ, making that step towards Christ is the greatest thing. But if you're here and listening to us right now, and you say, Well, you know, that's really fantastic that you have painted a clear picture that Jesus rose, but I'm not sure that I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not sure if I died right now after listening to this podcast that I would make it to heaven. That's a scary thing to be thinking about. And so I'm going to have Jerry just pray the this the sinner's prayer with those that are listening to us right now and ask the Lord to come and touch your heart. So Jerry, you want to do that in prayer?
1: I'd love to. And if you'd wherever you're at, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes and get into a place where you can spend a little time with Jesus and our Father. And I want you just to understand that you have to admit that you're a sinner, and you have to know that he's willing to cleanse you from that, but you must repent from it. If you do that, he opens up your heart, and he will come in as you ask him to. So it's very important. And just say this, say, Dear God, I'm a sinner, And I need forgiveness. I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ shed his precious blood and died for my sin. I am willing to turn from sin, and I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart and be my personal Savior and to be my Lord. And it's a simple prayer like that. Jesus said you will be a new creation when you pray that. But you know, the key is not that. If the Holy Spirit touches your heart right now, the key is to begin that relationship. You have to get into your word. You have to get into the Bible. You have to walk it out where you understand what Jesus, what the Bible's about. Because you don't want to be as the 10 virgins with oil. Five had their lamps full, five didn't. Even though they thought they were doing good. They didn't have their five lamps full of oil. And when Jesus called them, the five that had it got in the door. The door was shut when the other five got there. You don't want to be the one with an empty bottle of oil. So it's important now. And Jesus is coming back for Our society has gotten just real crazy. And it's it, everything points to the fact that Jesus is going to have to come pretty soon. So it's so important at this point in the stage, give up your sin walk with Jesus, let him cleanse you, and let him restore you and make you a new creation that honor him. And you'll hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, when you get to heaven. Amen.
0: Amen. We're so excited that you were listening to our podcast today. And if you have questions or you know, want to drop us a line, you can reach me at jimhugh71 at hotmail.com. And
1: Jerry, P T L. That's Praise the Lord Wyant W Y A N T at AOL dot com. Amen. Until next time, God bless you. Bye bye.